we will definitely not shut up and dribble. The champ is here. I must be the greatest. The champ is here. I'm going to continue to stand with the people. The champ is here. I will I not, not lose. I'm a bad man. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you are here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. He is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So you know what we do around this time, man. So we got to welcome him in. We want to bring our guests in to the show. And I just figured I would try to get him amp a little bit and, and, and see if this will get him going. I'm so happy to have him on the show, okay? He's a busy guy. And you know what they say, heavy, heavy is the the head that wears the crown, man. So without further ado, we have Vice President of Event Marketing and Ticketing of the UFC. Please clap it up. Please clap it up for my friend and yours, Gene Tenner, Jr., a.k.a. King G. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I was waiting for it. <laughs> hey, so, G, how we start the show, man, is we start the show with the shoot your shot moment, man. So this is, you know, a time and a specific time because, you know, everybody like, oh, I always shoot my shot. And that's good. But for the people, we want a specific time where you shot your shot, man. It could have been win or lose. You could have when I learned a lesson, uh, could have been, you know, how, how we got Mrs. Tenner in the building, but just any kind of shoot your shot, man, go. I will say this. One of the biggest shots I shot my shot was with UFC. So people don't know this. I applied for UFC 13 times throughout my career. Whoa. Oh, no, every time. Whoa. And, that's big. Okay. and when it was time for me to go to UFC, they actually called me instead. Wow. So I just kept shooting, I kept shooting my shot. And it finally happened. Like everybody from Toyota Center really know that story about me and UFC wanting to work for the UFC. They know it. My old boss from the UFC, he knows about it. And they'll tell you, he's like, Gene always said he's going to work for the UFC. Even wow. that was that was 15 plus years ago. Let's go. Okay. And, they, and I told him, I was like, I'm going to work for the UFC. Hmm. <laughs> Consistency, calling your shot. I love it. Always, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, Gene, where did your love for sports start? Man, just growing up in the sports household. My dad used to coach literally every little league player around town, and we was all in the little league. He was always the president of the league. So he's the president of the football league, president of the baseball leagues, and then basketball. So as a son, you know, I was involved in all of it. So I was always around (laughs) it. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I'm surprised I didn't get burned out of sports. I just was tired of it, but it was fun. I got to be with my dad, and I got to just grow up in the industry pretty much. Um, and so that's when my love for sports started. It was at the very beginning. It was just in my household all the time. Going to <laughs> garage, helmets everywhere, helping my dad line the field for the baseball field, helping him cut the grass for the f- football and baseball fields. Yeah, so – my love for sports started at a very young age. So, born in uh, H Town, Houston, Texas. H Town, yep, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
talk, talk to us a little bit about the family. So you, you talked about dad, you know, really giving that foundation, yeah. but, um, you know, brothers and sisters, people keep you cousins, keep you competitive, man. Were, were they involved in, 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 in during that journey? Oh, always. My, my brother who's passed away and my mom who's passed away, both of them were like very, very important into my role. Like when I first started in sports, like I really originally wasn't going to go into sports at all. I was working in politics at the time. So I was a poli-sci major dealing with econ and working with politicians. And I was doing all that. My mom ended up getting sick. So I had to come back to Houston. So I came back to Houston to help out. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know if I want to get in the political sector in Houston, but I like working in sports. I have one of my cousins, one of my cousins, she was working over at Rice University and she was working in their athletic department. And that's one of the people like I respect the most. One of my cousins, she's an AD at University of Colorado. Um, she basically taught me everything. She took me underneath her wing, taught me everything I didn't know about the ticketing industry, the sports industry, how to make it in the industry. And she was like a big influence on that when I came back home. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to get in this political thing, but I do love sports. It's always been sports politics in my household. So I love both of them. Like when I was in school, that's all we did, sports, politics. So at first, me, I thought, I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go do politics. I'm going to go to law right. school and become, a, little, become a, a mayor in the town, do something like that. And then once I got into politics and I realized, man, this is not what it is. Like, this is, like I have my moral compass wouldn't let me <laughs> stick into politics at all. I was like, no, I was like, I, I don't like following certain rules. I don't want to be pinned down to like one party and their views. I'm like, I can't do that. Like, it wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be original. I don't want to, and I'm not going to lie to the public. I'm not going to give you something fake. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to do Say something. No fake, no do fake news here. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I can't do that, man. It's like, you really hurting people and you really dealing with people's lives and livelihood and you're going to lie to them. I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not built for that type of culture. Like, I'm not going to lie to you right there. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to give you the truth. And so be it, then so be it. But I still dabble into politics. Like I still help friends who live, they work out in DC from time to time when they need some, just a voice, like or a different voice from what they're hearing. And when they want to talk about something, if they want me to look at some data statistics and all right, how should we approach an election? I'll help them out from time to time with that. But for me as a personally, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't want to dab all the way into that. Like, no. <laughs> And, and as you see now, it's just corrupt. It's just all over the place. Like, I don't want to touch that. I was like, that's not even politics no more. That's more of personal pride that nobody wants to work with each other. So for me, yeah, <laughs> that's a no. That, that's versatility, man. And um, we have similar backgrounds. My dad also ran sports league. So I, I think I lined ball fields up when I was like three. So uh, sports and politics and how that kind of blends together in a lot of different ways. Do you think that versatility came from just kind of observing your dad about how to run in the sports league and how to run it all and dealing with parents and dealing with kids and all those type of things? Yeah. So, my, yeah, well, my dad, he was the president for years for like football leagues. And I saw him deal with all types of people, all types of neighborhoods. And we was in the middle of South Park. It was the MLK Oilers. And he ran that organization. So if you know if you're, you know about Houston, you know about South Park. And all our all little leagues are in South Park. So you know you're dealing, you're in the hood, you're dealing with those parents. 
you got to have a level head. You got to be able to deal with it. So watching him deal with it and seeing how he was able to run these leagues for years, even after we got older and we got past like the little league, he still was doing it. It was something he loved, like he loved doing and he was just passionate about. So me seeing him do it and learning how to navigate through different situations and different problems, it definitely helped me through my throughout my career. Nice. Nice. So the sport of choice, right? So, I mean, you ended up, you, you got the shirt on, so we got to talk about it. Now, did you play receiver there? <laughs> Not you, at all. Did you try on? Did you, were you thinking about it? Man? I was a, I was a, I was a LB at Lamar. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Lamar. Shout out to Lamar, yeah. Texas. Yeah. So, we, yeah, no, so we, yeah, we, yeah, that's, for me, that was it. And actually, I played with somebody uh, you interviewed with, Sap. Sap was the safety. So, <laughs> That's so up. yeah, so like playing sports like football was one thing I love like like baseball. I stopped playing. It was one thing like playing baseball. I should have took it more serious. I mm. regret that. That's one thing I do regret. Because now you think about it, it's like now I love baseball. Like I love everything about baseball. When I was growing up, you know, it was football, basketball. Those are things that you do. For me, it wasn't like that at all, man. It was like. It's like, oh, yeah, baseball is baseball. I don't really pay attention to it. But all my friends loved it. But I was with my friends. So right. I was like, all right, I'm going to play. But I and, wish and- I wish I would have did, like, the extra work, practice a little bit harder, actually cared a little bit more about it. And track is big down there, too, right? Yeah, so we talked track about is huge <laughs> in Texas. Texas give me- Relays is one of the biggest events you can go to. Give give me a little taste of high school football in Texas. I, I hear about it a lot, but Man, I, I need it. I need it. I will say this. I will say Texas high school football. You literally like in your district. You're gonna go against several guys that's gonna make it to the league. You go to the playoffs. It's gonna be several guys that that's gonna make it to the league. You're going to get some top tier talent, and people take it serious, especially when you like we're HI. We're HISD, so we had to go play. Like we play all the teams at HISD, but when you go to these little towns or these other towns, that is it. Like the Katie's of the world. When mm-hmm. I was in school, Katie only had one school, and now they had like several schools in their community. They had one school. Katie was the big dog on the block. But all these kids, and I tell people all the time, we used to play these kids in little league. Same kids from Katie beat them in little league, beat them in middle school. When we got to high school. They've been playing together for so long. We all coming from different places and different schools and different areas to play with each other. At a high school, these guys have been playing with each other since Little League. And they running the same type of offenses all the way up because that's how they're training them. So they take it serious. Like, the town will shut down. You go in these little t- small towns and play these teams, that's you always see these little team flags. The stores are closed. Restaurants are closed. Nothing is open. It's football Friday night. It's football Friday night, like yeah. that's so crazy. Man. And that's, like, that's what I miss about not living in Texas anymore. Like uh-huh. Vegas don't really have that. Like that. Like if I was in Houston, every time I went back to Houston, it was a Friday. Oh, I'm gonna say, oh, what's the best high school game right now? Who am I gonna see? Oh, it's North Shore playing. Even if it's my old school, or they, or they playing. So mm-hmm. I'm always going check it out, see what's going on. So, man, yeah, Texas high school football is at a whole nother level, man. And same thing with Florida. Florida is the same way, too. I lived in Florida for a time, and same way. I would go to just high school games just to see, like, all right, let me see the top recruits. Let me go out there and check them out, see what they're doing. Same thing. It's real big, man. It's it's huge. That's sometimes, that's 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 really, for some of these towns, all the uh, money that goes into the town 
is from high school football. Like and some yeah. of the stadiums you the see. Stadium, <laughs> just the like st- the stadiums I mean, are so ridiculous, man. It's cr- like the high schools now are getting stadium sponsorship deals in Texas. Like not, I mean, there's some <laughs> stadiums around here in the college world that can't even get sponsorships. Yeah. So that's it, a, no, that's a testament to it. Yeah, it, it's it's huge, man. I tell somebody, and I tell people all the time, I was like, I went to HBCU. And I'll tell you all the time, I'll say, man, we have stadiums, high school stadiums that, that are bigger than HBCU stadiums. In te- just, just, just in Texas. That's how serious it really was. No, they don't uh, play no games. No games. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about your Southern experience, man. I mean, one of the things we do here is we we like to shine the light on HBCUs. Uh, you know, we think that that's a major part. And definitely part of me wish I would have had some experience of there. But Tell us why you chose Southern, right? Like leaving Texas and, and, and going to um, to L.A. <laughs> to well, yeah, think about it. my family is from Louisiana. So mom from Louisiana, grandparents, everybody's from Louisiana, from Baton Rouge to New Orleans. I have family all through there, even in the other small towns. So for me, it's like I would say this elementary, went to all black school, elementary Mom was like, no, you know what? We're taking you out of here. We're sending you to Central Houston. So middle school, Central Houston, high school, Lamar, middle of the richest neighborhood in Houston. So like I was there, I had that experience. Like I had, I finally had that experience. She wanted me to be around other people other than just my own to just see how the world really works. Right. Because sometimes you don't get that experience. It's like, all right, I want you to see how the world really works. So I was headed, like, my plan was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Tyler Junior College or something like that once I leave the bar. Like, I'm fine with that. And, or just go to a regular school, just do academics, maybe go to LSU, maybe we'll go, go to one of those, like, just regular U of H with everybody else that I graduated with. And then my mom was like, come here. Like, yeah. let's, let's go on a trip to Southern's campus. Like, just, let's just go. So it was me, her, and then my grandfather. My grandfather graduated graduated from Southern. My mom graduated from Southern, and she took me on their campus. And she took me on that campus, that and I was like, "I'm going to Southern." Okay. <laughs> I was like, "I'm going to Southern." What, what what weekend they take you on? What's crazy about it, she just took me on just like a normal, just off weekend. She just <laughs> it wasn't even homecoming or anything. She just took me up there. She's like. And one of my, and I think we were just up there because my cousin was at LSU at the time. And I think the whole family was just up there. And she's like, come on, let's just go up here. Let's go to Southern's campus. So she had, like, it was crazy. One of her advisors from when she was there was still there. And so she had me talk to one of her advisors. The advisor took us around campus. My grandfather was selling it because he just, <laughs> if you know one of them old school HBCU, uh, that's what my grandfather was. Absolutely, blood. Was, like, I gotta tell you, like, man, this is this is what you gotta and do. It was and, crazy. I'll say this: what was crazy? None of my other cousins went to Southern. Really? And then on my mom's side, when it comes to just like males, like I was the first male to go to college. Like, well, finish college. I would say others went, but I was the first one to finish. Gotcha. But so when I went to Southern, it was like a big thing. My mom was happy. My grandfather was pumped. And I tell people all the time, like that is that experience changed my life because I tell people all the time is I was like, all right, where you went to school? Do you still have a relationship with your professors? I still have a relationship with my professors. Wow. If I'm going through something, I can give them a call like, hey, I'm going through this. 
how do I navigate through it? Mm-hmm. I was like, a lot of people don't get that experience at all. I was like, for especially for us, African being African American, you need that type of support. You need that person to lean on that's actually been through stuff and know how to navigate through the business world and just show you the different ways. So for me, it's just like having that experience and knowing, like, I have lifelong friends for life. Like, none of my classes is like- Right, for college, right? That's a a big proponent for MH. MH is a big go to school, so he likes to hear those kind of uh, tip (laughs) polls. Man, (laughs) lifelong friends forever, and we all all successful in our own realms, man. Like, I have friends who are in politics. Like, I have friends- who are in marketing and doing just doing different things. So for us, just the HBCU experience was just great. Is we learned a lot, and right. our professors looked out for us very well. And we took that wherever we went. That's why we beat on our chest with a lot of pride. We like, man, yeah, we went to Southern University. Oh, we went to Grambling. You went to TSU. And one thing we don't tolerate is like we will talk about each other all day, uh-huh. all day. Every HBCU, we will mess with each other. We have HBCU groups where we just talk about each other all day. But as soon as somebody come from that outside, shut it down. Everybody's going to shut it, shut their person down. Shut it down. It's all just, right. So this experience, man, you, you brought up two things. So I want to bring up really quick things before we move on. One. Okay. I'm an outsider, right? Okay. And if I was to choose me too, which, which homecoming I should go to, which one should I choose? If I'm going to Howard's homecoming, or I'm going to Southern's homecoming. I will say Howard in early 2000s. Oh, you said it's falling off. Okay. Yeah, Howard homecoming not the same. It's not what it used to be. Okay. I mean, Howard homecoming used to be the homecoming because I actually had a chance to go while while I was at Southern. <laughs> me, and a couple, me and a couple of my friends made that voyage, and we drove. So. You know, oh. you broke in college. You can't even afford plane tickets. <laughs> you all pitching in on gas. Hopping the whip. <laughs> and, and you know you broke in gas. was a lot cheaper back then. So you, yeah, know. Back <laughs> then, so you know what? We, one of the friends had a ride. We gassed and, that and up. We, we took turns gassing it up. That's what's up. And, right, then, and, you know, and another question. Yeah. Y'all got a big game. What's the second, third, third, uh, third week in the season for your football team, man? With, oh, against LSU. So my opinion about that, <laughs> game is the game, okay? We know what it is. Like, when it comes to those games, it's really just a money game for fantasy schools. But I feel like it's going to be a homecoming-type atmosphere because a lot of people either went to Southern or you went to LSU. So I think it's going to be a homecoming-type atmosphere. But it's the first time in a long – like, it's never happened in my lifetime. Oh, really? Yeah, LSU and Southern is not played. So – I think it's going to be like a homecoming type atmosphere where people tailgating is going to be fun. I'm sure the parties that people are going to throw are going to be fun. I'll tell you one thing, the best party, if you ever get to go to a Southern game in Baton Rouge, make sure you hit up the perfect 10 parties. <laughs> the perfect 10 parties were the best parties when I was in school. And I think it's still the best parties going around, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Those parties are still legit, man. Still, still, legit. still I'm still laughing at the word voyage. Oh, that, that's that's been that's been killing me. <laughs> yeah, you, you take a couple of clothes, you stuff the car truck with your clothes. You might take a little air. You might take some uh, uh airbag and a couple of like blankets and stuff because you share in a room. 
If you're in college, you don't have no money, man. Like, so you're sharing a room. So, but if you want that experience, you did it. And for us, we like, I'm in on this, but for us, like, we also went to other big games. Jackson State game was big. Yeah, so, going yeah. to Jackson State game. When I was in school, now they finally have FAMU back in the conference. We go to the FAMU game. FAMU game was always fun. So, it was all those places we could go, have fun. And those are some of the best memories. We just laugh and talk about it to this day. Like, remember we was like eight deep in one room, like sleeping in one room, trying to make it and get by. No, those are those memories, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else, uh, else uh, MH, before we move on? Yeah, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, obviously there's a spotlight with Dion on uh, HBCUs and there's all conversations about conference realignment, all that kind of stuff. So from your perspective, what's your thoughts on that? I think it's good. I think Dion bringing the light to it made the other schools step up because it was one of the things I was always getting on like Southern about. I was like, guys, like if you see other uh, universities, sports is their bread and butter and they use sports to fund everything else. And I think a lot of, I like, I know a lot of our institutions want to focus on education, education, but if you want the good, you want the stuff for the institution for education, Focus on the athletic program, grow it out, be be visible. 100%. And I think Dion Dion's doing a great job with that. Make it being a little bit more vocal. Some stuff he said, I'm like, I didn't agree with. It. I was like, no, you keep that in-house. Like you hold that in-house. You oh, you talk with it within the conference. That's something like HBCU students who went to HBCUs know. Like, if this is a major issue, we'll talk about it within our HBCU group. Or within our southern group, we won't let nobody from the outside see what we're talking about, mm. and that's one thing I try to get on them. The new southern kids that are right there, they're that are there now. Uh, one thing they do a lot, they talk a lot on Twitter. I was like, no, like, no, 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 you don't talk about this on Twitter, man. They are they already got a bad perception of us, right. so if you're saying is they're gonna just pile on you, they're using it to pile on. So I was like, don't don't do that. Like you talk about it within your group and then y'all come up with a solution. So that's the biggest thing with me. Like, no, you come up with a solution together. Don't let nobody, don't let nobody in your house. Facts. <laughs> Super facts. All right, man. So we want to move on into the career, man. And and boy, we only have a limited amount of time. So I'll attempt to get <laughs> all all the places you've been, but want to start okay. off, you know, with, with what we do is definitely make sure we give you your flowers. So First flowers I want to start off with is congratulations to you and the UFC for winning, winning League of the Year by from the SBJ, the Sports Business Journal. That was just like last week. So definitely, man, congratulations on that. Man. I know that has to be big, you know, especially being like a non-traditional and be thought of as a league and winning that. So congrats on that. Yeah, that's that's huge. I think that's huge for the company, man. That's real big for everyone and especially the people that's been there for 20 plus years who've been grinding it out from the very beginning. I think that's big for them. Like me, I'm, I'm a newbie. I've been on it three years. Yeah, it happened. But for them to finally get that acknowledgement from starting the starting UFC from scratch and building it on up, I think that's great, man. Uh, that's just a Now, before we piece. say three years, man, I'm going to start putting like a, a, what's that, an asterisk on your three year, man. You've been trying to get with them for a couple years, man. They just <laughs> I'm going I'm to like, <laughs> some kind of quotient or raise it to the second power or some shit, man. Uh, yeah. And the other flower, man, I want to give is, man, just coming out of lockdown, man, because like I just really uh, always mindful of saying coming out of lockdown because people want to act like we're still not in a pandemic. But coming out of the lockdown, man, 
y'all been crushing it, man, with these gates, man. Just what what's what are we on? Is it a, a record consecutive amount of sellouts, man? What, what, where are we at now? We're at 15 sellouts right now in the row. That's 15 sellouts, <laughs> eight different arena records. So for us, we're just trying to, talk to, trying to grind it out, man. It's, it's just being smart, knowing the industry. It was, it's just, you got to know the industry. I tell people all the time, if you know the industry, you can break every record in this. You know what to do. Me, my career helped me learn all the things I'm doing with the UFC. So and it worked out. Like, it does, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's like, you know what? Probably at the time when I was applying for UFC, it probably wasn't my time yet. And I needed to learn more. And now that I've learned a lot, I'm using everything at the UFC that I've learned over the years. So UFC was kind of the, you know, speaking of the pandemic, uh, you know, we went from, you know, Zoom calls, not knowing what's going on to watching grainy footage of a horse, you know, on ESPN and, and basketball and all that. But I feel like UFC was like the first league to kind of get back going um, and, and, and some what we kind of used to know it prior to the pandemic. So do you think that was huge for the league? You think a lot of leagues took examples from what you guys did of kicking oh, that back I off? I definitely think leagues took what we did, but we were smart. Like I said, hey, we had a fearless leader who's like, do what you need to do to get it done. And for him to trust like all the different groups inside the organization to get it done, that's huge. Like that gives you confidence to want to get it done. Like even though you're living in this fear of this pandemic, it gave you the confidence. Like, you know what? We can pull this off. We can do this. Like we just had to be cautious. We had to follow the rules and we, we maybe pulled it off. And it's paying off. <laughs> it is really that's good. Fantastic. So a little bit about your history, and we can't jump back into USC, but I definitely want to give you your flowers because that's that's just amazing for you and the organization. But like, so college, right? Then Houston with the Rockets, and then you did some startup stuff with you know Jacksonville because you had alluded that you spent some time in Jacksonville in soccer for from all things. So yeah. tell us like. What was one of the things that you that you learned kind of going through that where you really lo locked in and saw like, yo, this is my lane. Like this is this is where I'm supposed to be, man. So I would drive back to Houston. So I was working with my cousin at Rice. She was showing me the ropes and showing me how to do things. I went to what was it? It was an Intex conference. Went to a conference, met a guy who was with the Houston Rockets. He's at a table and, you know, you know, like one of those tables that they have for people like looking for jobs and things like that. So I got his car, talked to him, reached out to him. I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm interested in the Houston Rockets position. Like I really would like to know about it. So he gave me a call and his name is Brandon, Brandon Berentine. Always certain people in my life. I give kudos to Brandon's one of them. Cause he taught me a lot and I just learned a lot from him when I was working with the Rockets. So he got me in on in, inside sales. I was in inside sales probably about like eight months. And then they realized, like, oh, you have, like, it's, like, ticket ops and all that background. You have that background? I was like, yeah. It was like, so they bumped me over to ticket ops and made me a supervisor. Like, all right, we're going to make you a supervisor over at ticket ops. Wow. So, like, eight months. So I was selling. I was doing good. Like, I'd have been comfortable selling if I needed to. But operations is something I was looking into because I was really good at strategy and pricing. And that was just from political science days and knowing how to use data science to come up with different solutions and problems. So for me, being the ticket ops, they just didn't pitch it on like, all right, normal ticketing. Uh, when I went over to ticket ops, I'll tell people that one of the most influential people in my career is Eric Margulis. Eric Margulis, literally, he was the he was the director at the time. Okay. And, and he took me under his wing. 
basically just took me under the wing, taught me everything, and taught me everything about third parties, like concerts and UFC and different events that were coming to the building, along with you know the Houston Rockets stuff and basketball and how to just operate, how to deal with promoters. And he let me learn a lot just watching him. And after I watched him, he just let me take over everything when it came to third party. So I was dealing with the Live Nations, AEGs, oh, wow. UFCs, boxings of the world, dealing with all those different personalities. And he just basically taught me all that. He taught me how to do it. And then all of a sudden, I was learning pricing strategy. All right, you know what? Let me help out these third party promoters on how to help their pricing and increase their revenue. And so I started doing it. It came to a point where Live Nations and AEGs were just trusting me to just do stuff for them. So, hey, Gene, what do you think about this? Like, what do you think about our pricing here? How do you think we can make more money here? What are the different the what are the different uh, strategies you would put together? And I was one at the beginning, like, of dynamic pricing. Dynamic, only a few people were doing dynamic pricing when I came up. And mm-hmm. one of the guys out of the, uh, San Francisco with the Giants, and then it was us, and then it was like maybe a few others that were doing dynamic pricing. And you know, now dynamic pricing is the biggest thing for anything when it comes to ticketing strategy, ticket sales. That's what everybody's like looking at. So from in Houston, Houston was like the biggest part for me. Like I say, Eric taught me everything I needed to know, and I was able to take that everywhere. He didn't like put me in a box and like, all right, this is the only thing you're doing. Let me put you in different spots because you can work, but. Like I say, using all the information after seven years, I was looking, I was like, you know what? Let me take this step out on faith and like, let me go to Jacksonville. It was a startup, brand new, brand new soccer uh, stadium. Went out there and literally built it up, man. We did it from scratch, like from the bare bones, from naming the team and all these different things. And I didn't know where Jacksonville was going to take me. I always knew I wanted to come to Vegas. I wanted to be in Vegas. Okay to work in Vegas, like work in the area because I was like, oh, Vegas eventually is going to be a great sports market. And me doing that, being a part of that startup helped me get to Vegas because I got to do it again with the Golden Knights. <laughs> I was about to say that that's a big startup. You know, people yeah. of that as a startup, right? Because we only see where it's at right now. But it was a startup and you were was one. Startup. I was like, people don't remember what, what is in the office on Sunset who is <laughs> <was> in one room. <laughs> putting things together. So in a yeah, Jacksonville, I told somebody like it's one of those things where experiences like you take that leap out on faith. Like, you know what? Let me go to Jacksonville these couple of years. Let me let me do something on my own, help build a brand new franchise from scratch. And luckily it, it led to Vegas, man. Led to Vegas. <laughs> you know what's what's wild about that man and I, I I'm sorry I keep going back to your childhood and seeing your dad work all these kind of leagues and you know different clients and how that applies to what you're doing today sometimes we don't even realize what we're looking at you know until we're actually kind of kind of doing it so obviously a soccer fan is different from somebody sitting in mixed martial arts which is different from the nba what are some similarities in those fan bases that you kind of pull to get today and what are the major differences uh that you kind of learn from those fan bases and, and pulling. I would say it's it's about pride, like city pride. A lot of the stuff, a lot of stuff is real city pride. When we came to Vegas, like when we was in Vegas, we didn't know what was gonna happen. Like we didn't know if it was gonna work. We didn't know if anything. Like, all right, is this gonna be big? We're bringing hockey to the desert. Are we gonna be like the Coyotes? Like, what is going on? How, what is gonna go on here? 
And for us, like, my passion is like talking with fans. I like talking to fans. I like dealing with them. I like hearing their passion about this, like the sport or event that they're uh, going to and they're willing to spend their hard-earned money for. So for me, with the Rockets, like I'm a Rockets fan, so I got to work for my hometown team. And all the fans around, all the fans in Houston, they're real pumped about their team. They love their team. And same thing with soccer. Soccer is, I tell people, give soccer some years, soccer is going to take over. It's already taken over in the, in Europe already. That's the biggest some, sport in the world. Yeah, give it some time in the States, it's going to take over. It's because, you, as you see, the NFL owners are starting to buy teams. And that's the thing you need to pay attention to. When they start buying teams, they're finding a way like, oh, I can make profit. Oh, I have the money. I can go grab one of these big time European players and bring them over here. And once they and they just and they're good at predicting the future. That's what I give NFL owners about. They're looking at the future. They're looking down the line. They know that a Charlotte FC or Cincinnati FC several years from now, it could be making some Premier League money. And that's how they're looking at it. Now, they might not see it. The owner might not see it, but their kids will see it. So, but it's yeah, for me, yeah, like I say, it's all about the fans, man. Like, I love dealing with fans. I love dealing with people. I love seeing people's passion for it. Passion for, like, a UFC fight, I tell somebody, is the best thing ever. If you've never been to a UFC fight, you go to it one time, you're hooked. It's because all the fans are passionate about it. They're into it. When you hear the whole arena just go crazy over a good fight, it just gives you that It gives you that pride. It makes you feel good in the inside. It's like somebody hitting a buzzer beater in basketball or hitting um, a home run in baseball. It's that same feeling. So seeing it, that pride, like it just gives me joy seeing that as a whole, man. It's- give give me your thoughts on. Uh, I love to hear your perspective on F one. I, I see, obviously that's that's coming to Vegas, and oh, that's a buzz. You, you don't got it's, him. It's, you got to take a little. I, sip I, of think, I, I think I see him take a sip. I <laughs> yeah, see yeah, yeah. him take a sip before you <laughs> give you this answer, boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the top button. Yeah, it's like let me loosen up. So, man, F one, F one is big. I love F one. I watch F one. I wake up real early in the morning and I watch an F1 race. What's crazy about it, I got into it on the Netflix. On Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it was Netflix. I was like, you know what? Let me watch this. Like, let me see what this is about. And I just started watching. I was like, oh, this is dope. Like, you start learning to drive. Like, once you learn the driver's names and who they are, how they are behind the scenes and different personalities, it you just get hooked. And then you know all the drivers. You're watching all the races real hard. And you see in the beefs on the track, like all the stuff that's going on. Like last year was a whole storm by how Lewis Hamilton didn't win the championship last year. So it was a lot of just controversy over there. But man, when I tell you, like everyone, the F1 Netflix series had me hooked so bad. I went and bought the video game. Like, <laughs> you know, you hooked in. Got him. <laughs> I was on the PlayStation 5, like, oh, I know this track. I know all the turns. Like, let me get in here. <laughs> So really quick, man, you talked about fandom, right? And and now I want to turn it personal to you, right? So Houston Rockets is your team. Makes total and complete sense. But how the hell did you become a Green Bay Packer fan, man? And why? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Come on now. now I've always, always been – like I've never was an Oilers fan at all. And Not and even was, the moon years? I mean, come on. You no, know no, I mean? I, like, no, I did like – look, I like the Oilers colors, the jerseys, <laughs> stuff. Hey, look, and and the receiving core, that was like fun. It was like running gun. But I think more of me, like the historical 
of the the history of the Packers, the Vince Lombardi and like that history, and then the G, the G on the helmet is 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 it's so oh, okay. yeah. So I, okay, and, and you know, like as a kid, you can be impressed with my little stuff. <laughs> so I've just been always a Packer fan, even before even before Favre when it was the Magic Man at the helm before he got hurt. So, and then you had Shannon Sharp, Shannon Sharp, not Shannon, Sterling Sharp, one of my favorite receivers. Mm-hmm. So, man, the Packers has always been my team, man. Like, you got part ownership? Did you ever do that? Oh, I yeah. did. I got all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> got jerseys. I, I, got, I got jerseys to play. I was like, I, I need to do something with my Adam jersey. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. It's great. Uh, <laughs> well, you can wear it at least once to the stadium now. Hey, you can wear it. <laughs> all right, MH, man, you're up with the quick hits. You ready? Yes, sir. Gene, uh, first time, if ever, you were starstruck. Starstruck? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I will have to say NBA All-Star Weekend. And who was that that walked through? Oh, no. It was Jack Nicholson. That's who it was. It was Jack Cause you always see him on TV, he'd be on Lakers sidelines and stuff. But you see him in person, and you yeah. see, and you see, and you see the rings, and you see the diamonds gleaming. Like you're like, oh, that's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> like Jack's the man. So I would say that that was the time I was real starstruck. And I would say, who else I, that caught me? Um, going on, no, Eddie Robinson. It, but it was years ago. Eddie Robinson was big because in our community, you know, Eddie Robinson is a coaching god. So yeah, Eddie Robinson, that was, that was like the only two times I was really starstruck. Like once you start working in third parties and concert side of the business, you see everybody. And then it's just like, all right, is this person not a jerk or a jerk? <laughs> like? <laughs> so, oh, top three HBCU classics. Ooh, okay. By you. Is one. <laughs> I will say, um, what's a good one? No, you know what's good back in the day? It's not as good anymore. It was a Labor Day classic, TSU versus Prairie View. That was like the thing to do in Houston every year when that classic happened. It's not the same anymore. Back in the day, and I tell people, like, people don't realize how big HBCUs was back in the day, like when it came to football games. Like they would fill out the Astrodome for the Labor Day Classic every time, and it's not like it's not like that anymore. I think they play in the Dynamo Stadium now, but every time we should, it was just sell out. It used to be like the event to go to, and then I'll say Circle City Classic as well. Yeah, definitely. all time Houston Rocket starting five. Hakeem, that's <laughs> one. We're gonna go with Clyde. We gotta have Drex. And my power four is Otis Thorpe. Oh, love, my goodness. Yeah, Otis Thorpe, my guy, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, my, my point, regardless, is Mad Max. <laughs> Matt, Vernon Maxwell. We, we got yeah. some chemistry stuff with uh, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 look, my team going to be the best. They can fight. I'll tell you that much. They can fight. And then I like uh, T-Mac, man. T-Mac was cold, man. I hate he had all those injuries. T-Mac was Legit, man. So I gotta ask, uh, where, where's where's James the beard at? Where, where, where he didn't he he come off the bench or 
What what we got with, with James Harden? No, I bring James off the bench. James would be the big man. I mean, there's a lot of man, listen, there's a lot of Rockets. Like, I think it's more sentimental because the Rockets when they won the championship. Facts. Like their championship team. Like, yeah, Facts. Kenny, Sam Cassell, Robert Ori, like that team, man. Mm. Mar- Mario Ellie. Mario yeah. Ellie, the kiss of death. <laughs> like, yeah, it, that's something that. That gives but that give me butterflies. That team was the team, man. <laughs> Loving basketball to wood. Oh, I let me tell you this, and people are gonna get mad at me. I think Loving Basketball is not a good movie. Oh, <laughs> so the wood is over Loving oh, no. Basketball. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Right there. I, that didn't make my day. I, mean, I don't day. know about not I, a good movie. That. If you go back and look at Loving Basketball, you're like, man, this movie is trash. Like, why we hyped it up like this? I'm telling you, but shout out to Quincy McCall's dad. I was also starstruck the first time I saw him. So <laughs> shout out to him. Uh, and then uh, my last question: You, you, you guys travel the world. So give me your top place to travel um, that you've been so far, and where you want to go. I would say Italy is the best place when it comes to food, just culture, and just being chill. It's just a chill place, man. It's a real chill place. If you want to go shopping, it's great shopping. It's great fashion. If you want food, it's great food. If you want great culture, great museums and things like that, it's the best to me. Uh, the next place I will probably say is, hmm, I would say go, go to Costa Rica. Costa Rica and South Africa. Those are the, those are my three. So place I want to go. Man, it's not too. I would say there's not too many places I haven't been. <laughs> but you know, you know, I haven't been to Fiji. I want to do Fiji. I haven't did Fiji, so shout out, shout out to her. all right. Yeah. Italy got to get there. Yeah, do it. Definitely do it. We good, DJ? Yeah, yeah. I said that. You got another question? You gonna throw it back to me? <laughs> I said last one. Oh my bad, man. I was, I guess, caught up in the rapture. Anyway, all right, man, so let's move on <laughs> to the winner's circle, man. So this is just a platform where we get to talk about, you know, what what you have going on and, and, and other things. So I think how we how I want to start this was just kind of one of the things that you've had going to the college and having your family, like your cousin, to show me to showed you the ropes. Um, you really kind of taken that nature of really giving back. And that, that's one of your core things that I've seen or heard, you know, throughout kind of how you've gone and just the relationships you keep. So you are one or on the leadership for a local black organization, uh, black sports professionals on the Las Vegas chapter. Like, why is that important to you? And why is kind of like giving back in a whole, not just in that organization, what you do, you know, just in your career? Why is that important to you? Yeah, For me, it's very important because I feel that I don't want people to have to go through what I went through to make it. Facts. I, it, it took me a while to get where I'm at right now. And I felt like I feel like if if people if our people had more information, if we had the information to how to make the career moves, how to how to react in in a, in a room full of your different peers, how to network. Like networking is the biggest thing you can do in this industry. And I tell people that all the time when I talk to them, like I tell people, my, my thing is always open. If I'm open and available to talk, I'm gonna talk to you. And I'm working with another group, Black Sports Academy as well. 
and that group. I'm helping them out with some stuff. And I was like, yeah, any of the kids want to talk, I will talk to them about anything and telling them like how important it is to network. Don't be afraid. Like, don't go, go, don't go to a conference and stick with your group. Reach out to other teams, see other leagues, find you a mentor in that group. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always good to have those conversations and talk with people. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and people didn't tell me that coming up. Like I had to learn it as I, as I went along. It was like, and now it's like a respect in the industry. Like people know my name. They knew me from the beginning and right. they watched me like grow throughout the industry. And it's like, man, every time they see me, like, dude, I'm so proud of you. Like you really came a long way in the sports industry, just in this realm. And they know how hard it is to navigate. And always, I tell people, always make those friends because you never know when those friends are going to get hired somewhere else. And like, oh, you know what? I have a good guy right here. Let me bring them all. Let me feel right. this role. So, all right. So, oh, go ahead, MH. Mentorship, being a mentor and, and, and being a mentee to somebody. Talk about the importance of that. I, I, I know we talk about it a lot, and that's a kind of a buzzword, yeah. but kind of dive more into it for me. So a lot of my mentors are people I actually work with and people I just respect and people I know I can call at any time. And I tell somebody it's very important to have that relationship because they can help you navigate throughout your career. It might be a situation where you need to talk about money. Like, oh, how do I get more money? How do I get a raise in my job? How do I negotiate my deal when I'm going to a new job? And I'm starting this whole thing now, especially in the ticket ops world. Like I came in through the ticket ops world, but I'm like branched off from that. And like now I'm doing sales, marketing, all this different stuff. But I tell everybody from ticket ops, y'all got to stop taking less money. Like stop taking less money. Like because a you're working harder than any any salesperson. You're working harder. You're working longer than any anybody in the building, and you're basically ruining your body to do this job. <laughs> you're tired. You're exhausted. You're working every event every night. You're working from 9 a.m. You're doing 7 a.m. on sales, and I tell them all the time, y'all have to take stop taking like low a lot low amount of money just for job. You have to be able to raise that amount up for everybody else. So mm-hmm. when it's an opportunity to take another job, I say if they're paying you a lot more, I need you to take that job. I want, I want you to treat it like the baseball union. You know how baseball players do it in the union? Is yeah, it's a lot of players on some teams that random teams like Carlos Correa with the Twins. But you know mm-hmm. why he went there? Because the union is basically telling them, like, no, you need to go here and take this money here. That's uh-huh. the reason they're going there. They don't even love those cities, but they're getting, they're getting, they're sending these cities like, because no, you have to take max dollars. They tell all their players that in baseball, regardless, like, whoever gives you the biggest contract, that's who you sign with. Because they know that it increases it for everybody else that comes behind them. Nice. Speaking of uh, shooting your shot, man, so I definitely want to come back around this. You know, I read somewhere that you want to be a president of a league, and you specifically said NBA or NFL is uh, one of the two leagues, man. So how is that progression? And, and and I love the fact that you shoot for a focus like, hey, I'm going to work for the UFC. And like you said, yeah. it took you some time you got there. So I can't wait till you're president of one of those leagues. but. So talk to me about where did that come from and what are you doing to prepare yourself, man? I would say my mother, my mother, like always, I was always ambitious. So she knew that she's like, I just need you to focus that ambition on good things. <laughs> so, and that was her biggest thing. Like, you know, you need to focus on good things. Like you have a lot of ambition. I know you, I need you to focus it on all good things. Right. So for me, it's always, 
always write down a goal, right? Like I said, a goal when I was with the Houston Rockets, I was working a couple of years. I started working these events. UFC came through twice. I was like, oh man, I love this. Like, I want to be a part of this company. This company is going to be big. And this before the UFC was like real huge. Wow. So for me, I was like, I got to be a part of this. I really need to do this. Like, I want to be a part of this. So every time I got a decline, like, you know, teamwork, the senior decline, oh, you didn't get the job. I kept it and I put it on my desk wall as my motivation. Like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I've been denied for this position. Like, I really want to work for the UFC. Like, that's what that was the goal. Like, I wanted to get to Vegas, work in Vegas, work my, work my way to Vegas so I can get to the UFC. Wow. Uh, and for me, I tell people, I was like, man, I'm just ambitious. Like, now my next goal. I was like, all right, I wanted to be a VP. I made that my next goal. I was like, my goal is to be the VP. Came a VP. All right. Before before I even signed the paper of me being a VP, I already pitched, like, as soon as you sign the paper, all right, what's the next goal? What's your next goal after this? Because you're the VP now. You know you're prepared and you're ready for this, and you're going to – you have all your goals in place of what you're going to do as a VP and what you want to accomplish. Right. But, all right, where's the end game to this? What's your next step? For me, I look at it as like, all right, next step probably is COO, mm-hmm. chief operating officer. Give them COO, COO, team president. And sometimes if you're good enough, you get you skip COO and you go straight to team president. It happens like that. Like, I've skipped a lot. Like I went from supervisor to director – Director to <laughs> VP, like you went from sales to, to ticket ops, like, like <laughs> back to sales. But I tell people that was a good experience for me, like learning from what's crazy about it. One of our managers of the managers of sales for the Rockets when I was there, mm-hmm. she's now the team president. So oh, seeing God. her, seeing her and watching her career and how she progressed, that's just motivation, like seeing how she did it. Seeing how she carried herself, seeing how she walked the rooms, and I tell you right now, she wasn't like she the president from New York. She a boss. <laughs> she is a boss. Like she been like that her, her whole life. Like she knows she was in a world where there's a lot of men, a lot of men in power. So, but she was strong. She understood the assignment. She knew what she had to do, and she now she's the team president. So for me, I have a lot of colleagues and people I work with. I can. Like I can look, I can yeah, I can look at and like all right, reach out to and like all right, this is where my next move is. And for me right now, the UFC is like I want to get to UFC to a level where it's never been when it comes to like sales and marketing and just being innovative. That's one thing I love about the UFC. It lets us be innovative and do anything we want to do compared to like other standard sports organizations. Right, Gene, right. you, you consider yourself a curious person. Definitely. I'm very curious. And I will tell you a story and you'll be able to look this up. So when I was at Southern University, I was in political science. And, you know, in our community, it's all democratic and it's like it's real push. You're learning the you learn basically about the Democrats and all their policies and procedures. Being at Southern University. So me being the rebel that I am, I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring a college Republicans to an HBCU. So I end up pulling it off. I did it. It's in, it's actually in congressional record. You look at it right now, type in Gene Tenor Congress, it's going to pop up because I actually brought like the first college Republicans to an HBCU. And for me, and for me, it was more of a learning experience. I was like, if you're going to learn politics, you should learn both sides. You should be a master of both. 
can't just be one. You can't just know your side, and you got to see how the other party's thinking. Like anything you do, you want to know what the other party's thinking, how they view, what are their policies and procedures, and what are they thinking? What are what are they what are their constituents looking at when it comes to polit- politics? Yeah, so man. Like it. in any game you play, you got to learn the rules, right? You so. Learn the rules. You got to learn the rules. Like all right, and then this was the Bush era, so. You really like we really like all right. We know what Bush was doing wrong, but we didn't know what the Democrats is doing wrong. Right. So we want. I wanted to see like all right, what do the Republicans think the Democrats are doing wrong, and what I knew what the Democrats thought the Republicans was doing wrong and how they were handling it. But what what's the other side of that? So for me, it was like one of those things. I did it. My professor came back and said, "Jim, you're crazy," but I get it. I see. I know what you say. You're a student of mine. I know what you're doing. So. She knew. She's like, I know what you're doing. You're like, you're not. It's like you're really a person that's down the line. You don't lean on any parties. You're not a party person. Like, you, that's just not you. That's not your nature. You won't be a person that's going to assign yourself to a party. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. So that's when I did it. Brought it there. It, and it was just one of those experiences where I got to meet everybody. I got to meet Bobby Jindal, who ended up being the uh, governor of Louisiana. And wasn't a good governor, but he was a governor of Louisiana. And it put me in different areas, and I got to learn people how they think, what they were thinking, what they really thought about our community. And I tell people all the time, I was like, man, if you really know, I have real good friends that are in Congress right now. All of them work in Congress. I go to D.C., go hang out with them. And I tell people all the time, I was like, all this arguing and all this craziness in the world. And you know what's happening at the end of the day? The same guys that are arguing on both sides are going to lunch together. They go and play golf together after work. They play basketball. They work out together. They go to dinners, families. And I was like, and I see these guys battling on TV. I'm like, this is all a facade. It's not even real. It's like, you're battling on TV, but I know you're going to lunch with each other. I know you're going, your families are having pic- having picnics and parties and all that. Your kids are going to each other's birthday parties on the weekend. So... That's a part of it that people don't understand, you know. Understand it, and I say, I say, and people get so caught up and like, oh, I need to be a Republican. I need to stand on everything they mean, and even if it's wrong, I need to stand up. I'm a Democrat. I need to stand up on it. I need to be a part of it, real, real bad. I was like, guys, at the end of the day, you need to look out what's best for like look for what's best for everybody. Take the good points from each side, and then that's how you make your decision. But right now, it's just so crazy people i tell them it's basically just the blood and crips that's all it is it's gangs it's just gangs that's it i was like people not being honest with themselves i'm like if you really know these people like i can have this i can see the conversation from the outside i can see a fox news and i can see a, a cnn and i can like all right these people are full of crap mm-hmm. like i was just in dc a month ago and we all just went to lunch <laughs> I'm like what are you talking about like why are y'all fronting for the public like yeah, it's just a whole facade. Like that's the one thing I didn't like about politics. Is like, like if you my boy, the way y'all talk about each other, we shouldn't be friends. Right. That ain't <laughs> cool. Like, like, like I heard what you said on on that little campaign. Yeah, like, I saw you on Fox News talking all this noise, saying this about me, and oh, I'm extreme leftist, or I'm woke, or something like that. But like, what? No. I was like, you know, I'm one of them guys that believe in term limits. I'm like, I go there, and I was like. None of these people should be here. Right, it's time for y'all to go. <laughs> it's time for y'all to go. Y'all, y'all been here before I was born. Yeah, it's time and, and stuck with old ideas. All right, speaking of old, 
speaking of old ideas, man, because we're getting we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, man. This is the section we like to call um, the assist, man, where you can drop a, a coaching gym or words to live by, maybe something you would tell your your younger self. So, um, just give us a quick quote or or, or you know something you would tell uh, younger Gene. I would tell younger Gene to. I would tell young Gene to not be afraid to reach out earlier than what I did. Like if I can go back and tell my, myself the first time when I got in the industry, I was just more of myself, like, oh, you know what, I'm going to do this. But I didn't understand it. I was getting frustrated because I wasn't getting promoted fast enough. I wasn't, I felt like I was doing all this work. I should be promoted. I should be a manager. I should be a boss. But I wasn't doing the right things to do that. Mm, there you go. So, yeah. MH, final words. Gene, man, a long time coming, man. Appreciate you jumping on, man. And it's, it's a great honor to hear your perspective and what you're doing uh, for us as a culture, man. So keep it up, bro. For sure, for sure. And Gene, man, just uh, for, for the listeners, man, if you could just shout out kind of how they can reach out to you, like, you know, is it LinkedIn? Is it your social? And then also, you know, you talked about uh, the Black Sports Academy, BSP. I mean, we didn't even get into, um, you know, your speaking, us bringing this HBCU class right. here to Vegas. Uh, so much stuff. Yes, we need to do that. We need to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> but please, uh, please kind of give where they can reach out to you, and we'll put this in the show notes. Oh, definitely. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Is uh, under G Ten or One uh, LinkedIn. So um, also King Jing UFC IG, King Jing UFC Twitter. So <laughs> it's everywhere. So you can reach out to me anytime. Well, that's it, man. Well, hey. We want to thank you, man, Gene, for taking the time for jumping on the show with us, man, and, and sharing a little bit, man. And you'll probably see Gene again. Uh, he jumps up on the live show, so maybe you'll catch him if he has time. Yeah, and I didn't get back on the live. I, I'm mad I missed the last one. I was like, man, come on. <laughs> There's a lot of topics that I like to get off my chest, and that's a way to get it, get it off. Thank you. See, there's a plug for the live show. Oh, we appreciate that. We ain't even paying for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, hey, Gene, thank you so much for the wisdom and your time, man, making time for us, man. We know you're a busy guy, man. So they call him King Gene for a reason, man. Heavy is a head that wears a crown, man. So, hey, people, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, you know we drop a new show every Thursday. So please subscribe because visual representation matters. All right? So please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming, all us blacks got a sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Yeah. 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 Show me I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spap out two racks on handmade new rags. Show me I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back.